The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. Welcome to the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is an outreach of Zion Primitive Baptist Church located in the Zion community near Gordo, Alabama. I'm Elder Chris McCoon. I serve as pastor of Zion Church. We're a congregation of believers who trust in the simple message of God's sovereign grace, where families come together to worship God in spirit and in truth through the simplicity of preaching, praying, and singing. Zion Primitive Baptist Church is located at 9487 County Road 49, Gordo, Alabama. If you live in the Gordo area or if you are visiting in the area, please join us for worship. We meet every Sunday at 1030 a.m. and 5 p.m. and on the first and third Wednesday evenings at 630 p.m. Yesterday, we began considering the proper view of baptism. In 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 21, we're told that baptism doth now save us. But what kind of salvation is under consideration? We know that at least two types of salvation are taught in the scripture. There's eternal salvation, which is solely and wholly of God. But then there's timely salvation or deliverance here and now, which in large part is up to us in how we live our lives. Baptism falls into the latter category. There is a timely deliverance in being baptized. In fact, it is the answer of a good conscience to God. Notice that the good conscience must already exist. That means the new birth must already have occurred because no one who's not been born again has a good conscience. But when we have been born again, the answer of our good conscience is to be baptized. Join us today as we pick up where we left off yesterday talking about Noah and the waters of the flood. We see that Noah was already regenerated before the flood came, but that the waters delivered him from the wickedness that was around him. In the same way, being baptized helps us to separate ourselves from the wickedness of this world. But first, we have a song selection that I hope you enjoy. After the song, please stay tuned for another message of God's sovereign grace from the Zion Primitive Baptist Church pulpit.
you just imagine Noah in his day? According to what I read in the scripture, it had never rained up to that point. A mist went up from the, earth, from the ground to water the earth. And he's out in a desert, a sort of a desert-type land, a place where it hadn't rained and there wasn't a lot of water. And here's old preacher Noah starts building a boat. <laughs> Noah, what is that? It's an ark. My goodness, what you going to do with it? Well, there's going to be rain. What? <laughs> rain? <laughs> Never heard of rain before. Can you imagine 120 years, we're told, he was a building. Can you imagine just how much ridicule he was subjected to? And then we can't hardly take it when people say, y'all a bunch of them old primitive Baptists. You know, boy, that's, that's, that's really bad persecution, isn't it? Now I realize that persecution is, it can't, may get greater, may get worse, and there's been great persecution throughout time. I'm not ridiculing that, and I understand that when we set ourselves apart and we don't go along with everything that's going on out in the world or even the religious world, that there is a place where we'll be ridiculed. The positions we take, when we take a stand on, on things like abortion, on things like uh, the fam on marriage and those kinds of things that, that the whole world just looks at us like we're crazy, like we're some kind of backwards people, I realize there is some degree of persecution there. I understand that. There's some degree of, of pressure and I, you, the young folks, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not diminishing that. You, you guys have got it tough today. You, you go to the universities of this land, and you will find that they, the, the professors and the PhDs don't even understand what a male and a female is anymore. Now that's, 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 that's something new. Well, it's not new under the sun, but that's something new for us to experience. That's something new. And when you take a stand on things like that, on, on things like uh, uh, the fact that, that we ought not to be killing babies, people think you're just backwards and oppressive, and, and they begin to give you. And that, listen, there's, some, there's persecution there. It's not easy to stand up for that. And listen, it's especially not easy to do it in love, okay? It's easy to get in a fight. It's easy to get in a fight. It's easy to start throwing, you know, it's easy to start hollering back and forth at each other over a picket line. But, you know, we weren't called to be picketers. We're called to be professors, not protesters, professors of the Lord Jesus Christ. But can you imagine the ridicule that Noah and his family were subjected to? I, I feel for his children. But can you imagine the ridicule? Can you imagine what they had to go through? And, and, and what was it? By, and by the way, Remember that in Noah's day, now we've got it bad today, but remember in Noah's day that every imagination of the hearts of men was only wicked continually. Now we live in a wicked day, no doubt. But in Noah's day, if I understand the scripture to be true, and I believe it is not overstating the matter, that means every time you set foot outside your door, there was somebody out to get you. There was somebody out to promote themselves and cut you down. There was violence unlike any that we've seen even in our lifetimes, even though it's getting worse and worse. That was a wicked place. That was a horrible place to raise a family. That was a terrible place to try to worship God and do it in the right way. So what was it that was a salvation for Noah? Now, I understand that the ark saved him from the water, saved him and his families from the destruction of the water. But that's not what is under consideration here in this verses. That's not what's under consideration here. Notice it says that, that it says eight souls were saved by water. 
not from the water. They were saved by the water. So what is it that the flood did that we're to also see that baptism does for us? Well, first of all, the flood delivered Noah and his family in a timely sense and not an eternal sense. It did not take them to heaven. Noah was not regenerated by the waters of the flood. He was already a child of God who understood that he needed to serve the Lord. That showed the good conscience that he already had that he obtained in the new birth. So the flood delivered in a timely sense, not an eternal sense. That's what those waters did. And secondly, as I said, he had already found grace in the sight of the Lord beforehand. And what the flood waters did is they, did, they saved him from the wickedness of the world out there. Now, notice what the floodwaters did. They washed away all that wickedness and actually literally delivered him from every one of those wicked people that were out there in the, in the world in his day. The floodwaters separated him from the wicked world. And he was contained in a place of safety. Beloved, that's what baptism does for us. Not in that literal sense of destroying the wicked out there but in the sense of when we submit to the waters of baptism we are submitting ourselves to be separated from the waters of, from the wickedness of this world and we come into the safety of the ark which is the church of the living God you see we come into a place where we can be safe we come into a place where we don't have to put up with the wickedness that's out there. I don't come to church on Sunday mornings worried about one of y'all coming in here and doing something wicked or pulling out a gun and starting shooting. Now, I certainly worry about people outside here coming in and doing that, but I don't worry about the violence and the wickedness of this world when I'm here on Sunday morning. I have been separated from that by the, by, by the waters of baptism, which are the entryway into the church. In a similar way that Noah was saved from the wickedness of the world around him by the waters of the flood that separated him from the wickedness of the world. And it was a timely deliverance. See, Noah didn't go on to be in heaven after that. He was already born again, and then he had to repopulate the earth. See, baptism is a salvation, but it is not eternal salvation. Notice again what he says in verse 21. It's not the putting away of the filth of the flesh. It's not just washing the body. And it's also not putting away the filth of the fleshly man, the carnal mind, which is enmity against God. But it is the answer of a good conscience. So that brings us to baptism as we bring this to a close here this morning. Baptism is, is a figure Baptism is a salvation, although not eternal salvation. But baptism is truly obedience. Obedience. It is the answer of a good conscience. Notice that that's really important because if you have a good conscience and if you want your conscience to stay good, if you want to continue to have uh, that feeling of, of uh, reconciliation with God and that fellowship with God, then you need to be baptized. You see, the answer of a good conscience, the first thing that that good conscience wants to do or needs to do is to come join with a local body of the church and be baptized. It is an act in the answer of a good conscience. It is an act of separation. I've already mentioned to you about Acts chapter 2. Let's turn over there just for a minute and, uh, and let's look at what 
Peter told those Jews there on the day of Pentecost, after he stood up and began to preach to them in power and demonstration of the Spirit, he told them about the Lord Jesus Christ. He told them about the resurrection of the, from the dead. He told them about uh, the fact that they, uh, they had by wicked hands taken and crucified the Lord of glory. And then it says in verse 37 of Acts chapter 2, when they heard this, they were pricked in their hearts. They were pricked in their hearts. Now, now notice here, they were already pricked in the heart before they said anything at all. And that word in the Greek, to prick, it's the word kataniso, and it means to pierce or to pain the mind sharply, to agitate the mind vehemently. And it's especially used in relation to the emotion of sorrow. Okay? Now, you don't have to turn there, but in Acts chapter 7 and verse, verse 54, we read about those who heard the message of Stephen. And those who heard this message of Stephen weren't pricked in the heart. They were cut to the heart. And that's a different word. That word cut to the heart means to saw asunder or figuratively to exasperate or to be rent through with vexation. Notice the difference. Notice the difference. In the one case, the ones who were pricked in the heart, it had to do with sorrow. And I believe it was a godly sorrow, a spiritual sorrow. But here, those that were cut to the heart were just vexed. They were just angry. They were frustrated. They, they were mad about what happened. Now listen, I can, pre I can cut you to the heart with what I say. <laughs> I can do, the preacher can cut you to the heart, but only the Holy Spirit can prick you in the heart. You see, and that's what had happened here on the day of Pentecost. They were pricked in the heart. And notice what it says here uh, in, in, in verse uh, uh, 37. It says, when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter, and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? See, they answer, asked a question. When you're, when you're pricked in the heart and given now that conscience, that conscience that does not come any way other than through the Holy Spirit uh, borning you again, then there's a question. You know what the answer is? Repent and be baptized. See, it goes right along with what we read in Peter. And Peter's writing, maybe he's thinking about this when he's writing. Maybe that's what the Holy Spirit is prompting him to see, is that, uh, is that that answer is to be baptized. Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Now, in the time that's left to me, I want to deal with this verse and one other one that some would say, maybe call them problem verses, and, and say that, well, see there, that means you have to be baptized in order to go to heaven. We don't believe you have to be baptized in order to go to heaven. Because quite frankly, that would mean there's a very few people in heaven. And I read about a multitude that no man can number over there in the book of Revelation of children of God. Baptism is important, but as we've said, it does not save us eternally. So, so let's look at that. Peter said, repent and be baptized for the remission of sins. Well, as I've said already, that they've already been pricked in the heart. Something has already happened to them. We say, preacher, it says to be baptized for the remission of sins. Doesn't that mean in order to get the remission of sins? Turn with me back over to Luke, the fifth chapter. That word for there doesn't necessarily mean in order to or in order that something might happen. Sometimes it means on account of or because of. In Luke, the fifth chapter, and 
In verse 12, it came to pass when he, when talking of Jesus, when he was in a certain city, behold, a man full of leprosy, who seeing Jesus fell on his face and besought him, saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And he put forth his hand and touched him, saying, I will be thou clean. And immediately the leprosy departed from him. Now, let me, before we go to the next verse, let me just say this and remind you. The best interpreter of Scripture is always Scripture. Now, I, I've used some, some word studies. I've gone to some Greek uh, terms and gotten a few more definitions. But the best interpreter of Scripture is always Scripture. If you'll go to the Scripture, you can find others that will help you rightly divide it. Notice then what happened and what Jesus said. He charged him to tell no man but go and show thyself to the priest and offer for thy cleansing according to as Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. Now notice what he's saying here. Same terminology. Offer for thy cleansing. Back over in Acts he said be baptized for the remission of sins. But notice what, what's happened here. This leper's already clean. He didn't say go down there to the priest and, and, and offer the sacrifice in order to get cleansed. He said you offer it for your cleansing or on account of the fact that you are now cleansed. And here over, it's the same principle, the same type of statement that he makes over in Acts chapter 2 and verse 38 where he says repent and be baptized for or on account of the remission of sins. You need to do this to identify, as Paul tells them in the sixth chapter of, of the book of, uh, book of Romans, to identify with the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, not in order to get the remission, but because the remission's already been applied. Just like the cleansing had already been applied to this leper. And by the way, as we keep reading here, don't ever take one verse out. Because if you take it out of the Bible, you've taken it out of context. Notice the very next verse. He says in verse 39, For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are far off, even as many, oh, just go get baptized. <laughs> no. Even as many as the Lord our God shall call. You see, we can't get away from the sovereign grace of God. Who is it that are proper subjects of baptism? It's those that God has called. As many as the Father hath given me, Jesus said. All that the Father hath given me shall come unto me. That means coming to him in the new birth. And him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. Okay? One other verse that sometimes is used to say, well, you have to be baptized in order to go to heaven, that there's some kind of eternal salvation in baptism. Turn over to Mark, the 16th chapter. Mark, the 16th chapter. And we'll look at verse 15. As Jesus is about to ascend back to heaven, he's gathered together with the 11 apostles, and he kind of gets on to them about their unbelief. But then in verse 15, he said unto them, Go ye into all the world, and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. What about this verse? Well, once again, we go back to two things, really. The question of eternal versus timely salvation versus, and also the context that this is in. So let's talk about that just a minute. Notice the context here. He's talking to those who are already children of God. He says, you go preach the gospel. 
I don't have time this morning to talk too much about gospel salvation, but there is a salvation in the gospel that is not eternal salvation because that is solely and wholly of God. God accomplished that. Jesus said, uh, Gabriel, the angel, told uh, told Joseph over there in Matthew 1.21, he shall save his people from their sins. When Jesus was on the cross, he cried out, it is finished. He accomplished their eternal redemption. But the gospel, what the gospel does and the purpose of the gospel is to bring the good news to those that have been born again, to those that he has redeemed, to those that have been saved by the blood of Christ. They need to understand what it is that's happened to them. Over in 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 9 and 10 there he said, Who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, it's not what we do, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. And, and it has been manifest for us in these latter days who, by Jesus Christ, who hath brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. I know I beat this horse to death, but the coon hunting example just can't be beat. When you go coon hunting and you go down into the woods where they've treated a coon and you shine the light up into the tree, you don't put the coon in the tree. You just illuminate what's already there. And that's exactly what the gospel does. It illuminates what's already there in the new birth. So we're talking about gospel salvation here. And I want you to notice something else, by the way. There are those that would say, okay, verse 16 must be taken in the sense that it means that that you have to be baptized in order to be eternally saved. But most of the times people that promote that idea just sort of gloss over verses 17 and 18. Notice verse 17. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. If they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. I really don't know anybody that believes that baptism is being taught there as essential for eternal salvation that also teaches that you have to show forth these signs if you've been saved. You see, the context is important. <laughs> so what is it talking about here as we bring this sort of to a close? You see, the salvation that we find in the gospel and in the Lord's church is a timely salvation that delivers us. You know, if you keep reading in second chapter of Acts over there, you're going to find where Peter, who has just said it's all of Christ, turns around and says, save yourselves from this untoward generation. The word untoward means crooked, mixed up. That's We're living in that. I think there's no doubt about that. So what is it, Peter? Is it all of him or do we have to do something? Well, the answer is eternal redemption is all of Christ. But in our time here on this earth, there are things we need to be delivered from. You need to understand and to believe and trust in Him. You need to believe the gospel. You need to hear the gospel. You need to understand and accept the fact that the gospel is the good news that Jesus has saved us. And that will deliver us from this crooked generation. It won't deliver us into heaven. That's not what He said. He said you need to be saved from this crooked generation. And, and praise God, we're, we do that by understanding and trusting that He has already delivered us from the fires of hell into eternal heaven and see baptism baptism is designed as a symbol of that it's designed to show forth in a visible way that we identify with the sacrifice of Christ baptism is not designed to purify the body from outward defilement it's not designed to purify the conscience from sin you already have a good conscience it's an answer of that it's not designed to put away sin rather it is designed that a good conscience may give an outward answer to the inward work of god we're told over in 
1 Corinthians chapter 10, about verses 1 and 2, that, that the Israelites over there were baptized unto Moses. And that's not being used there in the literal immersive sense that we use it here, talking about in the church, but it was a figure or a symbol of separation unto Christ. The Israelites were separated from Egypt and separated to Moses in the promised land. Noah was separated from the wickedness of the antediluvian world and separated unto God. And that's what baptism is all about. Baptism is a figure of the eternal salvation wrought by God through the finished work of the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And in like, in like manner, by baptism, we are separated from our former life in sin and godlessness and separated unto a new walk with God. Now, I know we're not... You know, we still got that old man, and we still struggle with it. But the first step in our discipleship is baptism, identifying with the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord and joining with one of his local churches. And even though you're going to mess it up, because I do it every day, you can't really get started like you ought to until you've followed the Lord in New Testament baptism. Not going to keep you out of heaven if you don't. But, oh, you're going to experience a little more taste of heaven here if you do. Thank you for joining us today on the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. I hope the message has been uplifting and beneficial to you and that the Lord will continue to bless you to grow in grace and knowledge of the truth. Join us again tomorrow for another message of God's sovereign grace. If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. That's zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. Or you can email me directly at jchrismacool at gmail.com. That's the letter J-C-H-R-I-S-M-C-C-O-O-L at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you is my prayer. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.